0: Welcome
1: to That Super Fan Talk Podcast, only on the Infinite
2: Potato Alliance. Hey, everybody, and welcome to That Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray. And this is the podcast that knows that you know if you tell someone that you meditated for two hours and they're su- super impressed but if you tell them that you nap for two hours suddenly you're lazy joining me tonight in the newly renovated infinite potato studios Rick is here how's it going sir?
0: I will kill him
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh Rick is it <laughs> it's I'm just it. me and, it's just me and Rick tonight. are
0: you not entertained?
2: Oh. <laughs> But, hey, uh, I am glad that, uh, that you're here because I wanted to, uh, talk to you about something that you posted on Facebook this week. You're oh, not shit. enjoying one division.
0: Oh, no, no. Uh, well, okay. Yes and no. It, it, it's no different from the last time we talked about this. There's like two thirds of the episode is just straight up seventies, fifty, 70s sitcom. Without even any winking or, or, and then there's a teeny tiny little bit of actual intriguing story. And if it was, it, it, and it's not even necessarily woven through, there's a, there's a little bit of it in the middle of it, but most of it is happening right at the end. And so I, I have talked to a lot of people about this. I've talked to my wife about this. Yeah. And. This kind of goes back to – I don't know if complaining is really the right word. Back when Star Trek started making movies. And they started making movies that uh, were – oh, what's the right way to put this? I'm I'm not – I was told numerous times when I would complain about this plot point or, or that plot point or something that movies have to be made to appeal to a much wider audience than just the diehard fans. Yeah. And I, you know, rationally, I under I've always understood that. Uh And with the Marvel movies, I've been able to kind of go, Oh, okay. Now I'm in that boat too, because you know, I'm not a, you know, I've, I, I'm not a comic fan as, as, as we've said, what I know about most of the characters in the Marvel movies come from the MCU. That comes from the MCU. Uh, so the totality of my knowledge of Scarlet Witch and the Vision comes from what we've seen in the Marvel movies. Well, yeah, that's
2: me too. So, I, I don't know anything about Scarlet Witch and Vision from comics.
0: So watching WandaVision, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil anything because I really don't know what the f- your shirt is going on. Um, um, it really seems to me, and I've had this confirmed by several people that it's uh, most of what's happening in these episodes is much more enjoyable to people who know the characters because there's this little Easter eggs and references and stuff thrown in all over the place that I have no freaking clue about. And so all I'm all I'm seeing is cringeworthy sitcoms, which I stopped liking when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring a couple of characters who clearly don't belong there, uh, and then a little bit of ooh, that's interesting. Why did she just you know? Why did that? And in, in, ooh, the, the 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 only thing I spotted was there was a twenty eight there 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 ad, and this isn't a spoiler. I really can't imagine it would be. John will of course disagree with me, but he's not here. So, <laughs> you know, I noticed that their address in last night's episode was 2800. And I said, ask my wife, is that a significant number? And she said, yes.
2: Well, um, it's just, I, I, all I know is that it's the same number that was on their house in the other two episodes They're
0: Oh, I didn't even catch that.
2: Yeah. They're, um, where we're recording right now. Episode three came out, uh, yesterday, uh, when it's, when this episode is released, episode four will be out. But, um, so we're probably, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to go, I I don't really know a whole lot. I just, of what I know, I don't know anything about Scarlet Witch and vision from, I didn't read Marvel comics when I was a kid. (laughs) I was, (laughs) I love you, Bob. hey, if you want to jump on the mic, you can, I'll send you a link. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but there's, there's a few things that happened in this episode, like not just at the end. I know, I know the, the end, there was some stuff there, but like there, there was that one scene where vision looked at her and he said, I think something's wrong. And then it glitched and it rewound a little bit. I was like, yeah,
0: yeah they, did, they did that before in an earlier, an earlier episode. That's what I mean. There's, there's little things, which is why I haven't completely rage quit. But right now it's not enough. And if it's going to keep up with this ratio of banality to interesting, I'm, I'm just, I'm, they're going to lose me.
2: Yeah. I think, I think that the, um, after this episode, there's going to be some changes because, um, obviously by what happened at the end of this episode, we, we know a little bit more and, um, And I also, I looked online and it said that after episode three, the, the episode run times changed too, because these three episodes were all a half hour. And after this episode, like episode four through nine, the, the run times are a little higher because there's, there's a total of 12 hours, but there's nine episodes, you know, Mm -hmm. so the rest Mm -hmm. of them are going to be a little longer. There's, there's certain things about it that I like because I mean, I, I grew up watching these kinds of sitcoms too. And I mean, I didn't grow up when they were on, um, first run or whatever. I was watching them like on Nick at Night and stuff like that. But like the, um, the, the, the house changes in every episode. Uh, like the, the first episode was like the, the Dick Van Dyke house and then they switched over and it was like the bewitched house and now it's the, Kind of the Brady Bunch Brady. house. It wasn't laid out like the Brady Bunch house, but it had certain.
0: But it things. had the stairs like the Brady Bunch stairs. Yeah.
2: The door and the. And the 70s aesthetic. Yeah. Um,
0: it, I think part of the problem, and it's also why I couldn't get into Stranger Things and everybody loved it, I'm just not nostalgic for that period of television. I'm glad it's not happening anymore. Yeah. I watched it because there was nothing else to watch. We didn't have options back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this doesn't like give me a warm fuzzy. It gives me a I was annoyed with this when I was eight. I'm no less annoyed by it now. <laughs> well I wish
2: I I wish I could I, I could say that uh that it'll change, but I don't know what's gonna happen on this show, you know. I, I'm told. Yeah. I'm told that it changes a lot after this episode, and it gets to be more of a standard uh, Marvel fair. but one thing that I'm afraid of is that this whole series is going to end on a cliffhanger, and we're going to have to wait until the next Doctor Strange movie to find out what happens. Because, okay. because uh, uh, Wanda is one of the main characters in Doctor Strange and the the multiverse of madness or something like that. And can, uh, can you
0: put up what Buzz just said? That is exactly what I'm saying, Buzz.
2: So what you're saying is that you're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we were my, my wife and I were in the car and you uh posted that on Facebook and my my wife said, "Rick's really not liking One Division." And I said, "Rick is very hard to please."
0: <laughs> I am. I don't deny it. Uh I didn't notice it until all until like recently, but yeah, there's, you know, it's like, I had a conversation with my friend Ted today, uh, and the big Lebowski came up and I've never seen it. Oh God. And I knew absolutely nothing about it other than, was it John Hurt, William Hurt, um, whichever, whoever plays Lebowski. I can't remember. No, that's uh, always, uh, Jeff,
2: just Jeff Bridges.
0: Brid- I always get the hurts and the bridges mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so Jeff Bridges and some dude licking a bowling ball. And so I said to him, you know, I, he's like, oh, you've got to see it. It's one of the greatest movies ever. And I'm like, I don't even know what it's about. It's about 90 minutes. I'm like, funny. What What is it about? And he says, "It's about it's about this dude who gets mistaken by gangsters to be this other gangster or something like that. And I was like, thank you. That is exactly the kind of plot I absolutely despise. I will never watch this movie. Um, I, and I realized that some of the most common tropes in both comedies and most especially sitcoms, uh, mistaken identity, lies or, uh, you know, misinterpretation of what somebody is doing or saying or, or, you know, all of that, which is the bread and butter of the sitcom. I hate them with a flaming passion. They make me insane uh you know uh uh, uh what Mulan Rouge
2: So you don't one like the Shakespeare movies, then
0: huh <laughs> I hated The Comedy of Errors I despise <laughs> it and you're right there's a lot Shakespeare does that shit all the time and I am not a huge fan of it even when Shakespeare does it um one of the first movies my wife and I went to see as as a couple was Moulin Rouge and for the first 15 minutes I was like this is really cool um and then we get to the part where, Oh, go talk to the guy with the handkerchief. And she goes to the wrong guy with the handkerchief. And I'm like, it just turned into a goddamn sitcom. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) And I hated the next 90 minutes of that movie. And it's not like it's a conscious thing. It's just, I loathe that kind of stuff.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've never seen Mulan Rouge. So I, I, I couldn't tell you. I
0: mean, it's, it's a visually stunning film. Um, I'm not really sure why they thought and McGregor could sing, but you know, there have been worse crimes against the ear, Russell Crowe, <laughs> since then. But.
2: Big Lebowski is a classic. I, I mean, what well, I'm a Coen Brothers fan and, um, they, they made a, um, kind of a sequel. And no, what it was was, uh, what's his name? Totoro, I think. Anyway, the guy that played the, what, what you mentioned, the, the, the dude with his tongue on the, on the bowling ball, that character, the guy that plays him wrote a movie about that character. And the Cohen brothers allowed him to use that character as long as he didn't reference anything that happened in the Big Lebowski and didn't use any other characters from the movie, just that one character. And it's called, and the movie came out last year. It's called the Jesus Rolls. And it is the worst piece of crap I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't even make it through the hall. And it's, it's something if I don't watch the entire movie because I usually will finish a movie even if it's a piece of crap. And I didn't finish that one. I would. I mean, I I, I would say go ahead and watch Big Lebowski. I think you'll like it, but I don't know that you will.
0: <laughs> That's you know, I I can recognize that a movie is a classic and still not like it. Case in point, The Godfather. I hated every frame of that movie, but I won't say it's a piece of crap. It's a brilliant movie. It's an incredibly well-made film that I despised because I hated everybody in it, and I didn't care what happened to them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) John says you'd hate The Big Lebowski, but you need to watch The Good Place. He said, for the love of Kirk, watch The Good Place. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay. Cause, uh, you know, and, and I think I said this before, I watched the first episode of the good place. And as soon as she realized she didn't belong there and started trying to game the system to pretend she belonged there, that's when I checked out. But, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to give it another no, shot. Yeah.
2: The, the, the good place. That's just the hook that brings you into the show. That show evolves so many times throughout the course of the, of the series and a lot of series, um, they'll have something big happen, like at the end of the season or whatever, they'll have something big happen. And then the next season they'll try, they'll, they'll find some way to walk it back so that they're, that they're not changing their show. Uh, this big event that happened doesn't like change their show or whatever, but the good place doesn't do that. If something big happens, the whole show changes. I mean, it's, it's really a, a well-written show. Um,
0: I'll, I'll try, I'll, I'll try to remember to watch it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had to be dragged kicking and screaming into watching, uh, uh, um, Sheldon and Leonard. And, oh, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the <laughs> name just went pew. Um, and I loved it for seven seasons and then it got really sitcom again. And yeah,
2: you know, it got kind of stale towards the end, but yeah. Um, now I watched something this week. That I wanted to bring up, but so they, they've got this reboot of Walker Texas Ranger that started this, uh, it started this week. Oh. And <laughs> the name of the show is just Walker.
0: Wasn't Walker Chuck Norris?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Chuck Norris. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was his show. Um, this version's got Jared Padalecki that plays Sam on supernatural and Walker Texas Rangers. That was a show. It started in 93, so I was about 16, 17, something like that when it started. And it was something that my dad watched and I would watch it with him. Um, especially the first three or four seasons until I, you know, while I was still living at home. But this reboot is just okay. Now, Walker Texas Ranger was just okay. <laughs> you know, um, I liked it because I like Chuck Norris. I, you know, I used to watch those movies with my dad, like Firewalker and, uh, Delta force and stuff like that. But, um,
0: the, <laughs> you know, the they, show- they shot, Delta, uh, they shot parts of Delta force in my hometown. Oh, really? So we were all really <laughs> excited to see the movie when it came out. Uh, boy, about, were we disappointed asking,
2: he- <laughs> oh, he says he has to go to sleep, but we've, we've watched below decks. Uh, Oh yeah. Lower, decks. lower decks. Yeah. We've watched lower deck. So we, we talked about it on the other show. Um, it's, it's great. Love it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this, this remake is, is, um, they turned it into ca- kind of a police procedural slash family drama because they gave Walker a family that he didn't have in the original. So his, uh, he's, he's a widower and he's got these two teenagers and stuff and his parents are still alive. The original Walker, his parents had been murdered and he was being raised by, or he had been raised by his, uh, his Native American uncle, you know, and, um, The the biggest difference that I can't get over is that there's no martial arts on this show.
0: (laughs) That was the whole point of the show. (laughs) I know.
2: (laughs) There was a couple of fight scenes, but at no point did Walker Roundhouse kick anybody in the face.
0: (laughs) Hang on just a sec, just for for our UK listeners. Yeah, Buzz, um, Lower Decks finished... Two months ago? Well, how many how many weeks of... of we, got uh, it. we got
2: it at the end of that. the summer. We got it at the end of the summer, and it ended the week before Discovery started.
0: So 13, 14, 15 weeks ago now, something like that. Yeah. 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 So we, we've seen all of them. Uh, part of the problem is that the, the, the pandemic screwed up scheduling. It was not supposed to come out when it did. They released it early in the U.S., and overseas distribution deals had not been finalized so it's taken them this long to iron out the the, the legal end of getting the show out uh, so y'all are just getting it now uh, but we finished with it back in uh, you know 13 weeks ago whatever that was
2: I think the UK I think they got it all at once too I don't think they're yeah I don't think they're putting it out a week at a time like they like they did over here
0: no I, I think they did a the typical Netflix dump. Just it's all there now.
2: Now, John, this version of Walker is is a complete reboot. So it's Cordell Walker. It's not his grandson. It's not his nephew or anything like that. It's it's a a remake yeah. of the show. So it's does uh,
0: Connor put in a, com- a cameo in this at all? Who? Connor.
2: Connor. What? Oh, Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's Connor? <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm wondering if, uh, I'm wondering if Chuck Norris is ever going to show up on it. I mean, he's like 80 something years old, but you know, uh,
0: but he, and again, real, really quickly, just because I know Boz is trying to go to bed, just to give you a heads up, don't judge the series by the first episode because the first episode suffers from pilotitis and, uh, and, uh, Mariner really, they, they crank her back quite a bit in the rest of the show. So if you're enjoying it, groovy, but if you're a little iffy on Mariner, she'll grow on you. Trust me.
2: So, have you got uh anything new that you've been watching this week?
0: Watching? No. Um I would like to give a shout out to Brandon uh because he recommended a book called The Fold. I mm. was I was uh in between in between books and I I put out my typical give me some sci-fi books to to read, cause I can oh, if if you are a fan of the Babaverse books, there's a new one out and it's every bit as good as the others. Um but uh Brendan suggested The Fold, which is, it's about, you know, an attempt to create a way to fold space, to move from one place to another quickly. Uh, And of course, everything goes terribly wrong. And it's very, very fun book. I'm about halfway through it and uh, really enjoying it.
2: All right. Uh, So tonight we're going to talk about movies and TV shows that starred people who were not actors, so there's a lot of very famous celebrities that have starred in films or shows when acting was not what they were known for. Maybe they were a musician, maybe they were an athlete or a, like a YouTuber <laughs> or something like that. But I can some, guarantee you there are no YouTubers on my list. There's not any on my list either. <laughs> uh Sometimes they go on and they become actors after that and make a lot of, a lot of movies, a lot of really good movies and, uh, and maybe now they're more known as actors than they were in the beginning. But at some point, they were not actors, but a studio decided to put them in it anyway. So we're going
0: to talk about some of those. And um, I'm going to give you a a what, uh, kind of a heads up what my thinking on this was. Uh, or well, there there is one group of people that are noticeably absent from my list because they started off as pro wrestlers. <laughs> and i'm sorry they're still actors <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's why i don't have any of them on my list that's true
2: but i will i mean i will defend pro wrestlers in that they are the athletes cuz i couldn't do that <laughs> oh
0: i i don't i okay here here's here's the deal with wrestling and me i don't like it i never have but i don't say that it's fake i mean yes it's scripted yes it's choreographed to a certain extent but you have to be an incredible athlete to do what they do. And a lot of them are in unbelievably crippled by the time they retire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what they do is p- so beyond punishing to their bodies. It's, uh, you know, it makes pro footballers look like babies. Um, but yeah, yes, Buzz says you can't fake gravity. Um, but, uh, but they are performers. They are, you know, when I was growing up in South Florida, you know, this, I was growing up during the beginnings of like WrestleMania and pay-per-view and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, at the, at that, you know, Hulk Hogan lives in Florida. And so, you know, he was a huge deal down here. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there was, there was always the, you know, oh, it's real. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I never once, you know, after I, I became like, after like I turned eight or nine, you know, we used to see it on Sunday mornings because it was nothing, literally nothing else but church on TV. Um, and my brother and I were very confused. It was like, how can they do that and still get up and walk away? <laughs> um, you know, when you're a kid, wrestling confuses you. When you get older, you're like, Oh, okay. Now I see what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I never really got into the it's real. It's fake debate when i was an undergrad uh, and i was a theater major uh there was a big news item when uh the wwe at the time um before the the panda people took that no that was a, they were the act.
2: wwf and then Oh wwf yeah. right
0: right now they're wwe um anyway they they got approval to uh they, they got approved for membership in actor, actors equity the the actors union <laughs> and we were like see
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I I used to love it when I was a kid and then I stopped watching it when I got older but then when my son was young you know he got into it because his friends at school were into it so I started watching it with him and it had gotten even more over the top over the years since then but have you ever seen the movie the wrestler with Mickey Rourke no That, it's a great movie. It's about a guy that had like this huge career in wrestling and, and now he's like washed up and everything, but it just shows all the crap that he, that he had done to his body over the years, you know, and he's still going and like, he he go, he would go to where they would have these wrestling events, like at a, uh, veterans hall or something like that, you know, and, uh, he would come in and sign some autographs and then he would go out and, and wrestle, and he goes up to the guy, and says, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up against the rope, and then you know, you clothesline me and knock me over, and you know, all that kind of stuff." And I think at one point, and he's even taking like razors and like like cutting his cutting his forehead yeah. to um to make himself bleed and all that. It's like man, and he really puts his body through a lot of stuff in that movie. But oh yeah, it, it's a good, it's a really good movie. I liked. I've seen it, you know, a couple I- of
0: times. I don't care who you are. If you leap almost 20 feet in the air and land on your back on a, on a folding table. Yeah. That's going to hurt. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to take a toll. Yeah. I I watched WrestleMania with my son
2: one year. And, uh, I mean, they threw thumbtacks all over the, all over the ground and then just body slammed a guy onto, onto thumbtacks. And and I'm thinking, ah, they're not real. No, no, they were real. I mean, they showed a close up. (laughs) <laughs> he had thumbtacks in his back. It was, it was, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> they get paid well for it though.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't begrudge them anything. I just don't want to watch them do it. <laughs> but the first one, the first movie on
2: my list is, uh, from 2011. It's called End Time and it stars, uh, Justin Timberlake. And, uh, he was mostly known as a singer. He had made a couple of movies. He had not really starred in, in any movies. He had had roles in a couple of movies before that. Um, but I picked this one because it's a, it's, it's a sci-fi movie and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's also got Amanda Seafried and I never know if I am supposed to pronounce his name, Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy, but it's got him in it. Cillian. Okay. Cillian. Cillian. And, uh, the plot is that they live in a world where time is traded as a currency.
0: Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah,
2: they've got like a clock in their forearm and everything. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with class warfare. Because like the people at the top are basically immortal. People at the bottom are literally living paycheck to paycheck. You know, and um, I thought Timberlake was good in, in in this movie. He's not exceptional, but he does well enough for me to say that I won't immediately dismiss a movie because he's in it. <laughs> you know, and um I think... Justin Timberlake, he does comedy even better than he does. This is a drama, but he does comedy even better than drama because when he's on Saturday night live, um, those are, those episodes of Saturday night live are like the best ones because every skit that he's in is hilarious, you know? So he really has a gift for comedy. You know, he's the one that did the, the, um, uh, yeah, (laughs) that did that. (laughs) Um That's the one thing I've seen him do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now th- if you watch um anytime that they do a Best of Saturday Night Live special or whatever, there will be at least two or three of his skits on there. You'll always see a few Alec Baldwin skits and you'll see some Justin Timberlake skits cuz they're always every time they come on the show they're they're great. But yeah, in time
0: It's not terrible. What? John says saying Mick Jagger in free Jack. I thought it was a fun, it was probably terrible.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, in time is, uh, with Justin Timberlake is pretty decent. It's a pretty decent movie. I, I I recommend it. What's your first one?
0: I, I I didn't see it, so I, I cannot, cannot (laughs) speak to it. Um, I, You know, it, it, I'm sure it's it's a perfectly serviceable film. It just didn't, didn't, it, it seemed like, you know, you, you pretty, I remember seeing the, the trailers and going, well, there really isn't much point in watching the movie. Now, <laughs>
2: <laughs> There was a short film. Uh, John and I talked about this early in the early days of the podcast. Um, there was a short film that came out when I was a kid. Showtime used to do a thing called the 30 minute movie. And it was it was short films, you know, and it was like first time directors, and they'd make these short films, and Showtime would put them out on this on this show. And um, they did a movie that I cannot remember right now what the name of, but it was the same concept. It was time time being used as a currency, and mm-hmm. I just I remember seeing that like late on a real late on a Saturday night or something as a kid, and then when this movie came out, it it reminded me of that. And we went back and we watched both of them and kind of compared them and everything. And actually, the story in the short film is better than the story in this movie. <laughs> this movie's <laughs> just got a bigger budget.
0: <laughs> yeah. so. so, John, I'm, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit because John says, uh, Richard Dawson and Running Man. Um, you know, Richard, da- uh, 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 Brendan, I'm, I'm assuming Facebook user is Brendan because it usually is. Uh, Richard Dawson was an actor before he was a game show host. Uh, he was uh, one of the main characters in Hogan's Heroes. Um, oh, what was the name of his character in Hogan's Heroes? Um, but yeah, yeah, Daw- Dawson was a was a was a was a, an actor long before he he became the host of Family Feud. Um,
2: Cast uh, Richard Dawson as Corporal Peter Newkirk. Newkirk, yeah,
0: of course. Now that's a sitcom I didn't mind growing up, and. <laughs> You know, I guess maybe I like the ones that were, you know, I liked I loved Gilligan's Island, I loved Hogan's Heroes. Um I've also found myself like watching, you know, shows like the the Battlestar Galactica reboot and there were many times watching that show where I was like if this wasn't on a spaceship, I would not be watching this at all. <laughs> so <laughs> Sometimes it's all about context. Um, okay, my first one uh, you may guess from if you if you're watching if you're looking at the video you can see the name I chose for myself this week um, is Sting. Sting, oh, yeah. formerly of the police, then just Sting. Gordon Sumter Sumner, Gordon Sumner, former high school chemistry teacher, I believe, uh, turned musician, uh, and then he did a few turns in movies and. Now, I know I saw the movie. Don't ask me what it was about. Uh, He was in a movie called Brimstone and Treacle, which was obviously a British film. Um, And all I remember about the movie was being blown away by how good Sting was as an actor. Uh, Because a lot of times you get a rock star who gets a bug up their butt and wants to get on screen and they're absolutely awful or they don't give them any lines. Uh, they just stand there and look pretty and just be there or you get like Keith Richards in Pirates of the Caribbean and it's just like, all right, it's Keith Richards. We're not going to complain. <laughs> 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 um, but Sting is an amazing actor. Uh, and then, of course, everybody knows him as he was cast as Fade Routha in David Lynch's Dune. Oh, and he Scott. was utterly wasted in that movie.
2: Scott's here. What? Um, Scott,
3: yay! I am here, <laughs> and I'm going to be bringing along someone extra in a couple minutes.
2: Oh, it's not the cat. The cat looks pretty
3: asleep for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
3: she's she's just about asleep.
0: Snugglebug, is it? Um, but anyway, uh, I thought one of the, I mean, among the many crimes that David Lynch committed against Dune was totally. Gutting the character of Fade Routha. Maybe because he didn't think Sting could handle it. Sting could have played that the he could have played the excrement out of that part. Because <laughs> Fade Routha is. I'm trying to behave myself. <laughs> I'm trying to be good. Um, if you've read the book, Fade Routha is the anti Paul. He is every bit as competent and well fleshed out as Paul Atreides, except he's evil because he's a Harkonnen. And Sting could have played that with an amazing amount of subtlety, but all they did was put him in that metal bikini and have him bounce around screaming, I will kill him. (laughs) And it was, it was just a a terrible disservice to the talent that Sting has as an actor. Um, He was also in the bride, which was a Frankenstein remake with Jennifer Beale, Jessica Beale. Who's the Jennifer Beals, the one that was in Flashdance. Uh, I've never seen the whole thing all the way through. I've seen it in bits and pieces when it was on HBO or Showtime or Cinemax, whatever my folks had. Um, but I never actually watched the movie from start to finish. Um, but uh, what I saw, he was, he was was he was still quite passable. He was, you know, doing a good job in a crappy movie. So, Sting.
2: I don't think... I'm sitting here thinking, I don't think I've ever watched a movie that had Sting in it where he wasn't playing himself. Um, and I don't know why, because he's been in a, he's been in quite a few. I'm pulling up his filmography yeah. right now.
3: He's been lock in a lot. Stock, lock, stock and two smoking barrels.
2: I have seen that movie. I don't remember who, who did, who did he play in that movie? I don't remember. It's, it's been,
3: been years. many years I since I watched it. So I can't really remember.
2: No,
3: he <laughs> no, <we> played stock. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I can't really remember. I could try to describe the character, but uh, I'd be doing it a disservice. There's only a, a few select moments of the movie that I remember because it was I, the movie was like new when I first saw it. I was working at the video store back then.
2: Scott, what about you? You got a you got a movie or a TV show that's got somebody in it that wasn't an actor when they made it? Um, and I eventually I could probably come up with something, but.
3: I didn't give the topic a whole lot of thought because I honestly didn't think that I was going to be making it tonight. Okay. The the fact that uh, uh, we, I'm going to cross my fingers and just assume that no one from the family is is uh, checking in on stream when I say that we came directly from uh, a they, they called it a happy hour. It was a a family Zoom call, and for about the first say twenty thirty minutes of the call. I was the only one from this generation. It was my parents and all their siblings. Then there's me, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Then my brother showed up, and he sends me uh, 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 a message on Facebook Messenger and says, this happy hour must be like a generational thing. (laughs) <laughs> I said I already texted mom about that same thing. I say let's give him five more minutes and let's jump over to Infinite Potato. What do you say? He says <laughs> sounds good.
2: <laughs> well I haven't sent him the link if he wants to join. No, I I, I forwarded it to him. He'll be oh, okay. he'll be around. Okay. Um Alright, the next one on my list is um a TV show from 2012 that was called Smash. And it had Catherine McPhee. Who had been the runner-up of one of the seasons of American Idol? I don't remember which season it was. I know it was the season that Taylor Hicks won, and that was a big deal in Alabama because Taylor Hicks was from Birmingham. Um, but it was it was a, a musical show. It had Deborah Messing in it, and this was like at the height of the popularity of shows like Glee, you know. So musical TV shows were like a big thing for a while, and this one was like centered more on Broadway. I mean, it it was, Deborah Messing played this producer that came up with a, uh, script for a Broadway show about Marilyn Monroe and Catherine McPhee played one of the actresses that was up for the main role. And there was another lady in it that I can't remember her name, but she, she's well known for playing in Wicked on Broadway. And, uh, she was the other, the other actress that was up for the lead. And the, the whole first season was about, casting the show and these two actresses going against each other trying to get the main role and everything and then the second season was about the actual show and then it got canceled after that so um but it was a it was a fairly good show you know it was one of those shows that i could watch with my wife and she would not zone out and just start looking at her phone (laughs) and not pay attention to what's going on um so uh but i mean Catherine McPhee was, was really a lot better in it than I expected her to be because she wasn't an actress. She was a singer and she wasn't even a professional singer until she was on American Idol, you know? Um, but since then she's been in quite a few things and she, that show Scorpion, she was the main, the main character on Scorpion and she, and that lasted for like four seasons and mm-hmm. just went off the air a couple of years ago. I think She's not <laughs> doing any the
0: with the CGI Dwayne Johnson.
2: No, not the Scorpion King.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That That was 20
2: years ago.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Scorpion is a, or was, um, a a, a procedural uh, crime show with, like, a misfit team of uh, particularly skilled people. Like, you know, you got a, uh, I'm assuming, you got a tech person and you got, um, like, a, a physical combat uh, spy type person and you got.
0: um, What was that show where they did a con every week? It sounds a lot like that. It might've been that.
2: No, they they didn't do a con. They, uh, they did. uh, It was, it was basically, it was basically mission impossible. You know, they, they would, uh, they would, uh, they would get hired. Sometimes they would get hired by individuals. Sometimes they would work for, they would do something for the government. And they were like computer experts and stuff. And they would go in and solve really complex uh, crimes and things like that. So mm. it's a pretty decent show. I, I, I did not follow it all the way through the series, but I did catch a few episodes here and there. And what I saw of it was good. So,
0: okay. Rick, you got another one? Uh, next would be David Bowie, uh, who you may know from various musical incarnations uh, but also now, most people when they think David Bowie, they immediately jump to Labyrinth, where he played Jareth, the the Goblin King. Uh, David and his Bowie were on screen, and uh lots of Muppets and and a uh, very young Jennifer Connelly, and uh, a wonderful and, movie and a codpiece. piece. Oh, that's what that's why he's in a, a wonderful name. codpiece, piece. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I would say Little Bowie, but it wasn't. Never mind. Um, <laughs> However, my first exposure to Bowie—pardon the <laughs> maybe phrasing—my um, first indication that Bowie was an incredible actor was in a wonderful, one of the best vampire movies ever made, in my opinion, uh, *The Hunger*. it was David Bowie, Catherine Deneuve, and Susan Sarandon, and if you. If you are anywhere close to my age and you owned a video cassette of The Hunger, you know which scene is worn out on your tape. <laughs> um it's it, uh Catherine Deneuve who most of you probably a lot of you probably have never heard of. Uh she was uh well she I think she's still alive, but she I don't think she's done anything in a long time. Uh she's French actress, stunning, mysterious uh, and she plays this ancient vampire who makes other vampires. She, she'll like make one at a time uh, to, and promises them eternal life, but it only lasts for a few hundred years. And then they rapidly age and she keeps them in a box in the attic. And uh, then she meets Susan Sarandon who is, and, and David Bowie is her lover at the beginning of the film. Uh, and then uh, she meets Susan Sarandon, who's a gerontologist, because she's trying to find out if science can find a way to stop this rapid aging. And then she and Sarandon fall in love. And then Bowie gets old and, and decrepit. And then there's and hijinks ensue. Uh, it's an incredibly <laughs> atmospheric uh, movie. It's it was it was it starts off with Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's dead. So I mean, it's it it I I don't have any. Facts to back this up, but I think that it was instrumental in kicking off the vampire movement in the United States in the in the, the early eighties. Um. So uh, anyway, so Bo, I mean, Bowie was incredible in it. Uh, then, of course, Labyrinth is tons of fun, uh, and and I tried to find it when I was researching for today, and I don't know what it was, but there was some movie, and it was just a, uh, it was just kind of your classic. Uh, Joe Schmo gets pulled into spy drama by being in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of movie and Bowie was like a, 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 an assassin or a spy or something like that and there's just like one or two scenes with him but he's so incredibly casual and may, maybe it's my theater background but very few things impress me more than an actor who can sound like they're making up the lines as they're going yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not talking about like improving shit. I'm talking about they sound so conversational, you're not sure it's a script. And Bowie is able to do that. Uh, and does, you know, uh, the only other actor I would put at that same level is Christopher Reeve. If you've ever seen, uh, Death Trap, Christopher Reeve is so conversational through the whole thing. It's a, it's almost a shame he was so pretty. I think if Christopher Reeve hadn't been so pretty, he would have gotten a lot more a, a lot of heavier roles than he got. You know, he 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 was a, you know, soap opera guy and then he got Superman and then he got kind of got pigeonholed into Superman, but he was also just so gorgeous that I think that they were kind of afraid to cast him in in other things. But I digress. Uh Bowie was an amazing actor as well as being an amazing uh, performer, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen the man who fell to earth and I need to, um, you know, there was a, there, one of the things that, you know, Bowie was like that all the time. Uh, back in like the early two thousands, I think there was MTV was doing some kind of fashion show or some crap. And Bowie did a song and he was, he was, you know, on a stage and there was, you know, it, it was like, you know, one of those portable stages festival kind of thing. And he was just up there performing for, you know, two, 300 people. It wasn't anything big, but it just, his comfort in front of people was so amazing. And it, it was just such a joy to watch him because you know, you're, you're watching someone who is at the peak of their craft, who is just an absolute consummate performer. And it just it was just always a joy to watch him do anything, um, whether it was sing or do a music video or be in movies. Now, I know he's been in way more than just the Hunger and Labyrinth. Um, but, you know, it, I think Bowie, it's almost unfair to say he was not an actor. But, you know, he was primarily a musician who also acted and acted really, really well. I wasn't a big fan of Labyrinth. <laughs> of course
2: I wasn't a kid I wasn't a kid when I watched it. I just watched it a year or so ago know. with Virginia and Shane for their show. And I don't
0: I, it's all right. <laughs> well it it may be, you know, I, I won't I won't argue that you know at the time Labyrinth came out, that kind of stuff hadn't been done before. You know, a, a, a feature, I don't remember which came first, Labyrinth or the Dark Crystal, but I know I saw Labyrinth before I saw the Dark Crystal. Um, now, that's my heresy. I think the Dark Crystal is incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> I but, haven't seen it since I, I was know, eight
2: years old, so I, don't,
0: I, I couldn't tell you. Labyrinth was, if not the first, it was one of the first major, you know, full, you know, uh, full length films to include people and Muppets. And it was, it was also one of the first time, first times Henson, Jim Henson did, you know, non Muppet Muppets. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I won't, I won't deny that there may be some nostalgia there. Uh, You know, a a more of a, a rose colored view of the film because of, you know, how groundbreaking it was at the time.
2: Um, and Jennifer Connolly.
0: I'll tell you the well the, but she was too young to think about that.
2: <laughs> my my controversial statement. Not when I was a kid. <laughs> my controversial statement is that Labyrinth and the Neverending Story kinda both did the same things and I like Never Ending Story better.
0: And <laughs> the other way around, I so, wanted to pull my head off watching the never ending story. <laughs>
2: Uh, oh, John's bringing one up. He says, "Prince and Purple Rain." Um, you know what? I've never seen Purple Rain. Neither have I. I. You haven't seen? Have you ever seen it, Scott? I actually haven't. Okay, I, well, John, you're talking to the wrong guys. <laughs>
3: if 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 I saw it, I don't remember it anymore. It would have been again quite a long time ago. But <clears throat> I get the feeling that I did not see it. And cat, you are putting my hand to sleep, cat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See one of, one of my greatest no no I, I, one of my uh, one of the the growing list of my heresies is and this was a problem when reading ready player 2 I've never been a prince fan I've never understood why he was such <laughs> I you know I understood his appeal but I don't understand why people worshipped him so much. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, it I, was also not doing music I I particularly liked.
2: Yeah, the Prince stuff that I've heard is just his really mainstream stuff. So uh, if you he, if he's on the radio, I don't turn it off. But it's it, I've never like listened to a Prince. Album, I like
0: Nineteen Ninety Nine, right. and that's it.
2: I recognize that he was instrumental in a lot of um a lot of development in in music history and everything but he's, you know there's wow. a lot of, there's he a lot of he didn't
0: revolutionize anything he just sang about and then went all Christian <laughs> in the last few years of his life i just, and he yeah, was crazy there's that too <laughs>
2: Okay, the next one on my list is um, where are we
0: at? Fifty minutes. I made it fifty <coughs> minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, 50. let me remember that so when I'm editing. Um, <coughs> so I,
3: I did come up with someone.
2: Okay, go ahead, go ahead.
3: Um, and this uh, this was built off of uh, what Rick was saying about David Bowie. Got me thinking of uh, musicians. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this was certainly not his uh, uh, his first. Uh, foray into acting, but uh, I always thought that Meatloaf did a
2: great job in Fight Club. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but he... yeah I almost
0: put Meatloaf on my list, but I, I really have only seen him in Rocky Horror and that kind of doesn't count. No, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, it, it doesn't is- doesn't necessarily count Rocky Horror, and then there was his uh, turn as the villain in Black Dog starring Patrick Swayze, which yeesh
0: didn't see it <laughs> that's
3: it's that that's pretty bargain basement that's like you know five dollar bin at walmart uh style of movie it's it's patrick swayze um randy travis another musician yeah I,
0: uh, I know who he is. <laughs> with
3: uh well this is for our younger listeners who might not know who randy travis is oh. um the uh country music star of the 90s randy travis and meatloaf as the villain. <clears throat> it's uh, you know we went through the eighties and the nineties with varying flavors of Die Hard on a whatever, yeah. And Black Dog was Die Hard with semi trucks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah, Patrick Swayze was a. Um, he was being blackmailed by the bad guy to uh, drive contraband from one point to another in a in an eighteen wheeler. And then intrigue and action ensues, and they find a way to make an action movie around an eighteen-wheeler.
2: How <laughs> I, really, I don't know. I really like them. uh Rick, you've never seen Fight Club. No. Oh God. Man. And I, that,
0: I've, it's been spoiled for so long. I don't need to. Oh no, well, you need. There, to. Okay, you need there, to. There is nothing about Fight Club that appeals to me. <laughs> it's it, it's
2: so. Meatloaf plays a guy in a fight club that had had to take uh, some kind of hormone therapy or whatever. So he basically had female breasts. And, um, (laughs) when they, when they introduced him, he said, this is Bob. Bob had bitch tits. (laughs) And he would, he would hug him. He would hug somebody and like rub his, his head all in his chest
0: and stuff like
2: that. But, uh, that was the, uh, that was the, the hook for that character. He was, uh, he did a. Um...
0: How have I lived this long without seeing that? Oh, I have no.
2: Idea. That, I mean, that's well, not. See, if Bob's... you're going to paint the whole movie with the bitch
3: tits scene, then yeah, you're getting the wrong picture.
2: <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just talking about Meatloaf's character.
3: <laughs> I I understand that when it comes to Fight Club, yes, a lot of people pin a whole lot of the movie's uh, worth and strength on the twist, the twist. at the end. Yeah. And if you know what the twist is, then that can take a lot away from it. However,. If you know what the twist is, then you can watch the entire movie with that in mind and you can see all the tricks that they pulled throughout the movie to make you not realize it, but to to give hints at it. And then you put the entire twist aside and you just look at the story and the the production style and production value and how Fincher uh, put the film together. And okay. it's, it's, a, it's a well-made film. It might be a little bit nihilistic, but you got to push past that because too many people made that, like, their MySpace quote for, was always from Fight Club. Just ignore those guys, and it's a nice piece of filmmaking.
0: Okay, let, let me let me ask you this. And this this is... You you missed... We we had something... <laughs> we, we had something of a, of a similar conversation at the beginning because I, I we were talking about The Big Lebowski and how I have no desire to watch it. Um. And,
3: yeah, I'm with
0: you. Yeah. Um, all I know about Fight Club is Brad Pitt is in it. Yes.
2: yes. Edward Norton.
0: You never talk about Fight Club and the twist at the end. I have no idea what the movie's about other than that. It's about a Fight Club. But that tells me nothing. <laughs> it was like, my, my friend Ted was, what what you missed at the beginning, Scott, was my friend Ted was telling me I should watch The Big Lebowski. And I was like, what is it about? All I know about The Big Lebowski is memes. I have no idea what the movie's about. And mm-hmm. then he told me the basic plot. And I was like, no, I don't need to watch that. <laughs> Same with Office Space.
1: I love Office Space. (laughs) Tom's here. (laughs) I don't know. I just heard about Big Lebowski, and and when I saw that, it was the first, or the the same thing as with Office Space. I was like, oh, that's where that meme is from.
0: But my question is, everybody says, oh, Fight Club is so good, you need to watch it. What is it about?
1: You can't talk about it. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Fight Club is about Edward Norton. Edward Norton plays this guy that's kind of, kind uh, of kind of fed up with his life, and he meets a he meets a guy that kind of introduces him to kind of the the seedier side of himself, you know. And then he, uh, now I'm going off of a movie that I haven't seen in fifteen or twenty years, but um, they start a Fight Club, and these people people come to their house. Go down in their basement, and they beat the hell out of each other to let off steam.
3: It, it ends up being the basement of a bar, but, yeah, but yeah, 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 you're you're in there, and it's not necessarily just to let off steam. But what they're trying to portray is that by by fighting each other, and this is uh, you know bare knuckle, uh, full contact, unrefereed, uh, uh, f- fighting, like bare knuckle boxing, uh, in the basement of this bar. And not just as a way to let off steam, but it tries to paint it as... And keep in mind that this is based on a, on a novel written by Chuck Palahniuk, who is an insane person, As if you just go okay. by his writings. Now, as, as a person, I'm sure, that as a regular guy, I'm sure he's perfectly sane. But as an author, he is cuckoo kabonkers. And they portray the fighting in Fight Club as a way that all these men, men who don't really know who they are who don't really have a way to define themselves as people and the fighting each other offers a catharsis it allows them to feel energized and they feel alive like they like there's something to you have something to live for at the end of the week because that's when the fight club will meet is so you can get together and It's the closest thing that these guys have to a support group. We'll we'll, we'll paint Edward Norton's character a little bit to to give you a sense of who they're trying to show us. Yeah. He is a man who is so lost, who has so little connection to anyone or anything in his life or in his world, that he begins going to different support groups for ailments and addictions that he does not have. Mm -hmm. Simply because being around all these people who have something in common and have a connection with each other, that he he feeds off of that connection vicariously. It makes him feel like he's connected, even though he doesn't actually have testicular cancer. He goes to a testicular cancer support group so he can vicariously feel that support that everyone is giving each other because he is so disconnected. And then... Jonathan, when, it's just he like is, when, when he is describing the
2: plot of Fargo or Memento, you can't, you describing the plot doesn't do it justice. Yeah. That, and that's yeah, true. Right. It is one of those movies that and it, to, me describing it to you, you're not going to get it. But And okay.
3: to just, to I, just try to give you the, you know, the opening bit, like this is, this is the table that they set before you sit down for the meal to try to describe that when it comes to fight club. Again, it's just going to be the the tiniest bit of it because it's the way Fincher makes the film, the way it's written, the way it's performed. That's what makes it a movie.
2: And the thing, the thing about Fight Club that I've people that I've talked to that have never seen it and they go and watch it. There's things in the movie that when you watch it, you say, "Oh, everybody does this," you know, especially like the twist, and then. There's there's stuff at the towards the beginning where you know he's looking through a catalog and you start to see like his apartment uh, will have like the price tags like a catalog come up and stuff like that and you you see that and you're like oh the, all these movies do this but that, this was where those tropes came from and yep. you know the the, the twist all, every movie has to have a twist now this was the first one that I remember having like that I mean I know what movies before that had a twist but the twist you know. Came from this movie,
3: yeah, Fight Club and Sixth Sense were both very close to each other as far as release, uh, if I like I'm not Sixth mistaken. Time. And I Sixth Sense, and also if if you worried about you know already knowing the twist of Fight Club, that going to be like means there's no point in watching it. It was spoiled for me. I already knew what the twist was before I watched Fight Club. Entertainment Weekly, thanks a lot, Goddamn magazine. One issue of Entertainment Weekly spoiled Fight Club and the Sixth Sense for me in the same issue, and I. It was, remember, this was you know before the days of the internet giving everything to everyone immediately. This was still, I think, I think it was still the '90s. Fight Club came out in
2: '99, I think. Yeah,
3: yeah. So it would have been like 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 '99 before the internet was uh, everywhere, and this one issue of a magazine spoiled two movies that had been out literally just like for months, mm-hmm. just a matter of months they've been out and. And the magazine with no, because this is also before the days of spoiler warnings. The yeah. twist for The Sixth Sense and Fight Club, both like within three pages of each other. I threw the magazine across the apartment.
0: <laughs> okay. I was well, I've, I've I've sidetracked us terribly, and I apologize. I'm not going to say I won't watch it, but I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. The
2: next one on my list is Mr. Belvedere. Um, Growing up in the 80s, one of my favorite sitcoms was Mr. Belvedere. from the of China. Yeah. Never <laughs> before. Who cares? <laughs> um, going back and watching a few clips to prepare for this, it's, it's, it's still funny. You know, and, and it was based on a film called uh, Sitting Pretty. Okay, Scott's still singing.
1: Scott, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you can mute
2: him. You have the power. <laughs> <laughs> it was based oh, on a cool. film called uh, Sitting Pretty from 1948.
3: And there was like Nothing another.
2: There was a series of films that came after that, like Mr. <laughs> Belvedere goes to college. Mr. Belvedere goes to this. Mr. Belvedere does that, you know, that kind, of, that kind of stuff. So the show starred Christopher Hewitt. And he'd been acting for years and years as Lynn Aloysius Belvedere. And he had been the butler for prominent families in England and everything. And then he moves to Milwaukee. He takes a job as the housekeeper for the Owens family. The head of the Owens family is played by Bob Eucher, who was not an actor. He had been most well known as in Major League Baseball as he was a player in the 60s. Now he's like 86 years old and he's he still does some sports commentary and stuff. But I remember him being pretty funny in that show. Uh, but he played the kind of dad that he, you know, he was out of it. He didn't really know what was going on. Mr. Belvedere would always give him the, the little bit of advice that he needed to figure out how to, what he needed to do to help raise his kids. (laughs) That kind of stuff. But Mr. Belvedere was a great show and I thought Bob Euchre was good in it. But, you know, always, always played well off of Christopher Hewitt in that show. So what'd you say,
0: Rick? Wasn't he the announcer for the Yankees for like ever? Am I, am I,
2: no, that's Harry. I think you're I, thinking of Harry Carey.
0: I'm thinking of Harry Carey. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah no. Which one? Which one was on Paradise by the Dashboard Light? I
2: do not know. I can look it up.
0: Do a tie a, a throwback to Meatloaf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Paradise by the
0: wasn't
1: Bob Eucher? Didn't he play the announcer in like Major League? And
2: yeah, I think he was so- in the, in. At least one of those major league movies. but
0: Phil Rizzuto, that's what I'm thinking of. Thank you, Chris. Phil Rizzuto for the money store. Do you remember anybody ever ever be uh, inundated by those commercials? When I was growing up in New England, uh, Phil Rizzuto, the money store was like one of those second or third mortgage places that would just totally prey on old people.
2: I know, I know what the money store is. Yeah. <laughs> like one of those title title pond places or something like that, or, or they, they lend you money, but they make you pay back 300% interest or something like that.
0: Yeah. It was, you know, get, use the equity on your house to, to put yourself even further in debt. kind oh, of yeah, thing. Yeah.
2: I think Tom Selleck's doing that now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So, um, Tom, how about you? you have any, uh, Movies starring people that weren't actors or TV shows. I don't know.
0: Art, where we find out that Scott didn't tell him what the show was about. Tonight. <laughs> that would be correct, sir.
2: All right. Rick, what's the next <laughs> one in on your list? I'll, I'll, I'll give uh, Tom time to, to think.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, my next one is someone who did get the Oscar she deserved. Sting and Bowie both deserved one too, but I don't think they ever got nominated. Uh Cher. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah now, yeah, yeah. the yeah, first time I saw Cher on in a movie, I mean, you know, I grew up watching the Sunny and Cher show, uh, which, you know, I the, the the epitome of female beauty to me was Cher, um, and so I, you know, I never missed the Sunny and Cher show, not for that reason, but I was too young at the time. But anyway, uh, Moonstruck. Which is a movie you would have to drag me to the cinema to see now. I honestly don't mm-hmm. know why, what the situation was that I watched Moonstruck. Maybe it was a girlfriend at the time wanted to see it. I have no idea. Um, but she was incredible. And, uh, uh, Nicolas Cage was incredible. It, mm-hmm. and, and I, isn't Ray Liotta in it too? Uh, Most, pretty much every Italian actor in Hollywood was in Moonstruck, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> at the time. Um but she was incredible in it, uh, and I think that's the one she got the Oscar for. That would have been something good to have researched before, uh, I just, I just looked up movies that they were in. Rayleigh um, was not. She was also, no, okay. Uh, she was also in Mermaids with a very, very young Christina Ricci. Yeah, uh, which was another ex- very fun and and heartstring twanging movie. Uh, John says it was Danny then, that was in. Aiello, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, and then uh, my favorite movie Cher was in is The Witches of Eastwick. Oh yeah. Um, which is why I can't eat cherries anymore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And, and just, you know, and, and she just was another one of those people who could just in, totally inhabit a role and, and not seem like she was forcing the, the performance. She's just really natural on screen and I've always enjoyed watching her. Uh, she, uh, I don't know that she's done anything recently. Yeah. Uh, she was but- in, um,
2: Mamma Mia 2 a year or so oh, ago. What? Um, I mean, she was she wasn't in the entire movie. She shows up in the last 20 minutes and sings uh, Fernando. <laughs> and uh, that was about it. But she she still looks amazing. For how old is she now? Let's see.
0: I understand the pressure on women in Hollywood and and the biz to yeah. have work done. But there are drag queens that look way more like Cher than Cher does now. And it's just, I, I think it's sad. <laughs>
2: Yeah, she's uh yeah, she's 74 now. But the next one on my list is uh Sling Blade I don't know if I've ever talked about this movie on the podcast before, but I think in the years since Sling Blade came out, uh it's become more widely known because of the voice that Billy Bob Thornton uses in that movie. A lot, you know, every everybody's got their Sling Slingblade accent. Uh excuse me. I said, I, I said accent with a very southern accent just now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> accent. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, I oh, some mustard on my biscuit. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of thing, but Sling Blade is actually a very good, very engaging and very haunting movie. So I went and saw it twice in the theater. Uh, the first time I went to see it, I knew nothing about it. I only went to see it because it was the only thing playing that I hadn't seen yet. Because I used to go to the movies a lot uh, in the in the in the nineties, and um, I couldn't stop thinking about that movie. You know, I went back and saw it again. But one of the standout performances in the film is the abusive boyfriend of the lead actress, and he was played by Dwight Yoakam, and before this movie he had had a couple of small roles in films but this was the first film that he had a starring role in and he was nominated for a sag award um he plays a really good bad guy most of his roles that he that he's in um he either plays the bad guy or he plays like the 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 gruff old uh, lawman that gives the hero some advice (laughs) you know that kind of (laughs) stuff but um or the the
3: gruff drug addle doctor in uh, Crank, yeah, yeah, he was in
2: both Crank movies, yeah, as as, yep. as that character. But um, yeah, Sling Blade. If you've ne- have any, any, have you guys all seen Sling Blade? Oh yeah. All right, so two no. to two.
0: Just the, fact, <laughs> and, just the fact that you said abusive boyfriend is all I need to know to not want to watch it. Well, that's I not. I mean, people that's people not what the movie is about. It's it just, I <laughs> that's... know, but it's still. <laughs>
2: There's, There's a enough of
0: misery in, in the world movie. without going to find it on the screen. Yeah, uh. I
3: also saw the uh, uh, the original short film that uh, that. Oh, come on, come on, come on, Billy Bob Thornton. It Thornton, yes, thank you, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, the the short film version that he made before uh, going feature length, and the the short film starred Molly Ringwald.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, which that short film is kind of reenacted in the, in the movie itself. But, um, yeah, they, that whole movie has an interesting story because Billy Bob Thornton had only really been able to get supporting roles up until that point. But he wanted to be a featured actor. You know, he wanted to be a leading man. Mm -hmm. So he wrote and produced that movie himself and it took off, you know, and, Robert Duvall has a small role in the movie as, uh, Carl's father. And he repaid the favor later because Robert Duvall made a movie called the apostle yep. and, uh, Billy Bob Thornton had a small role in that movie, you know? Uh, so, but, um, yeah, sling blade is a great movie. Uh, I try to go back and watch it about every, you know, a few years or so. And, uh, and then after I watch it, of course I annoy my family by doing my Carl voice for <laughs> several days afterward. <laughs> John Ritter, John yeah. Ritter's in that movie too, and he's he's yeah. in that movie. He, so. he does a, does a great job. Yeah. And we've tried everything. We just can't get this lawnmower here to start. You have any idea what's wrong with it? Ain't getting no Ain't gas. got no it. gas in it. <laughs> um, there's a there's a the the boy in that movie. What's his name? Sling, Sling. Oh, I forget. But he really also
3: did a great job.
2: He's from Alabama and he's from what we call LA because he's in, he was, he's from lower Alabama. Uh, so you think I have a Southern accent. You go down about, uh, halfway between here and mobile and you, you will meet some people with some Southern accents and <laughs> the, the kid. Okay. So it's Lucas black, which he's like a big time actor. Now he's on uh, NCIS, uh, new Orleans. He's one of the main characters on that show now, I think. I think that's a, yeah, NCIS New Orleans. That, that sounds right. Yeah. And he's, um, but at the time he was like 10 years old or something like that. And he won some kind of a contest at his school and got picked to be in this movie. And, um, his accent in that movie, when you hear it, you think there, nobody really talks like that. That's his actual accent. If you go back and you watch the the X Files movie that came out, the the Fight the Future movie that came out while the X Files was on the air, mm-hmm. yeah, the the
3: original uh, X Files movie, yeah. yeah,
2: the kid yeah. that falls into the well, that's Lucas Black, you know, mm-hmm. and he you hear that accent there, that's that's his his real accent, so, and I'm I mean I'm glad because he, he he came from he came from. Dirt, you know, he was dirt poor in, in lower Alabama and he, uh, and now he's, you know, big time actor. He's got lots of credits to his name and everything. And he still talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Who wants to go
3: next? I, I thought of one if, if Tom doesn't have one.
1: So just, we're talking about <coughs> non-actors in, in roles.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: all right Just wanted to clarify there um beverly hills cop uh actually all three of them the uh what was his role in those um inspector Todd was played by Gil hill so he was axel foley's boss it, 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 it. yep uh he did all three of those movies but he was actually um He he was president of the Detroit City Council. He was uh, a police officer in the homicide. He was kind of like a consultant helping out with the film at first, and then they had him read a few lines and they threw him in there. Uh, I I thought he always did a great job of those. I mean, besides getting shot out or, you you know, killed. Real fast in the third movie, which right. you know, just wanted to ignore Beverly Hills Cop three in the first place.
3: But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not so great. I
1: knew there was no. a third one. <laughs> You're better off. I, I think so. <laughs> oh, by the way, Sean, he's a Birmingham native.
2: Yeah, I was about to say i pulled I pulled him up on Wikipedia while you were talking.
1: Yeah, he was yeah. born in
2: Birmingham, I, and he died. I, he died I, a couple of years. He died about five years ago.
1: Yeah. Uh, my favorite part I saw somewhere that uh, on his Wikipedia page, the only difference between his character and his own is that he didn't swear as much in real life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's that's the thing in in, in movies. Uh, if you if you swear at your subordinates as much as they do in movies, you get taken to HR.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I, I don't know. I I did. Uh, some it support for a couple of police departments after i had done it for after i had been working in schools uh I, I was a teacher i did it support in police departments it was so i i had to work so hard to stop being shocked by the language i was hearing yeah. compared to you know in a school and then i go back into a school after that so <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> you know something funny i i teach college and uh Especially for my stagecraft classes. One of the first things we, you know, on the first day of class when we're going over the syllabus and stuff, I'm like, all right, I am a stage technician, which means the main difference between me and your average construction worker is I have a degree. Uh, so <laughs> I can, I have a bit of a potty mouth, as you all may have noticed. Uh, Does anyone in class have a problem with that? And usually the answer is no. Um, so I, I occasionally, I actually behave myself a lot better on these podcasts than I do in class. Uh, but the one year I taught high school, I knew I couldn't do that. And then one day my students got me so upset, I actually said shit in front of them. And it was like being in a room full of sirens. Yeah, they just, oh, Mr. Tedros, where to? And I turned like 18 shades of red and, uh, it was, yeah, that was, that was a bad day.
2: (laughs) I know that that's the rule with teachers, but a lot of my teachers were coaches and I mean, they said what they wanted to say. (laughs) As long as the team was winning, they weren't going to get in trouble. So
3: (laughs) I, I had a couple coaches as teachers, uh, when I was in high school, um, uh, junior year English class was uh, one of the football coaches or assistant coaches. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tom, I, th- I think, uh, I think you were already gone before he started becoming a, a refixture, but uh, Zeke Jones.
1: Oh yeah. I don't know
3: that one. You're probably thinking Pete Skirmerhorn, right?
1: I was. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He, I, I had him senior year for economics. He was the econ teacher.
1: Okay,
3: um, If I've told the story on this show before, Uh, he was the teacher who would offer extra credit if you brought in a signed receipt from one of the restaurants in town near the airport that served the biggest breakfast you've ever seen. (laughs) If you could eat the whole thing and get the waitress to sign the receipt saying that you ate the whole thing, you bring it in, you get extra credit.
1: Isn't that how you graduated?
3: (laughs) No, I graduated by getting some BS extra credit assignments in my senior year English class uh, because I wasn't doing enough of the homework uh, but the teacher, it, you know, the teacher knew that I wasn't like intentionally, you know, bombing things. It just I was having a hard time focusing because it was senior year and I was doing a bunch of other things. And I'm sitting in a class. If I'm being really honest, I'm sitting in a class with a whole bunch of people that are A, not as smart and B, not not trying at all and being blatant about it. And it's, it's hard to really, you know, stay engaged in a class like that. So she says, um, "Okay, read uh, this and this and this short story. Read these, and then do up a paper on them." And I did a, a nice, insightful paper on some Kurt Vonnegut stories. And I, I wrote a, 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 a similar in tone short story to go along with it. And I turned it in, and she bumped up my semester grade. And I ended up doing doing fine in that class. She helped me out. My econ class that was fine. Just answer the questions and get go eat some breakfast, get some extra credit, and you pass the class. No big deal. Uh, But he was the basketball coach. Junior year English, that that was one of the football coaches. And he did not last very long because I'm pretty sure that he got busted for, uh, let's say, having an inappropriate relationship with a student.
2: That happens.
3: So perhaps I should have uh, not said his name out loud
1: earlier. I was was just thinking that.
3: (laughs) It was a long time ago. Who 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 cares? What
2: what was the one that you were going to mention a few minutes ago?
3: Um I and this is one of those it's it's well known enough that you guys might maybe have mentioned it already, but um I recall the fact. You know, th- these days he's considered more of an actor than anything else. He he went on to to do so many so many roles. That's what he is now as an actor, but originally uh R. Lee Armey was a drill instructor. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
3: And most people know this story. He was brought on as a, as a consultant. um, And to
0: full metal jacket, right?
3: Exactly. Brought on full metal jacket to basically be the drill instructor that teaches the actor how to be a drill instructor. And when Kubrick realized you're doing this better than you're ever going to get this guy to do it, do you want to do it? Sure. Mm -hmm. So he just spent that entire movie playing himself yeah. And did a fine job of it. Um, then, you know, fast forward several years later, and then pretty soon you see him. Nothing like his role in Full Metal Jacket. He is now the father of the uh, of the murdered girl in Dead Man Walking with Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon.
2: Yeah. I so don't now he's, I didn't, I didn't remember him being. I have seen that movie. I don't remember him in it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro- broken-hearted uh,
3: uh, father of the victim from Drill Instructor and in Full Metal Jacket. It's not a change that you expect to see, but he, he handled it really well.
2: Yeah, he was in The Frighteners. and the, I think this is Chris. He's, he was in The Frighteners, too. The Frighteners is a good movie. Um, basically playing a uh, parody of the character that he played in Full Metal Jacket in <laughs> that movie. But
0: Did you see the TV show he had? uh, Yeah, it's uh, something on the uh, history
2: channel, right?
0: History channel, yeah, it was, it was mail call talk. Huh?
2: Was it mail call?
0: Yeah, now, you know, now that I, as soon as I said it, now I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Excuse me. Um, yeah, he was, he was just kind of doing stories about military stuff, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He had mail call and lock and load, it looks like. According to the great, he passed away
0: last year, didn't
2: he? He 2018, yeah.
0: A couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah,
2: he was in. I did not remember him being in Fletch. He was in Fletch Lives, he was in seven, yeah. another one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff, but yeah, and I think, yeah, that was the first one he that he was in was Full Metal Jacket, which is a. I'm not, I mean, I've been, I've said it on the show before. I'm not really a, um, a Kubrick fan, (laughs) but, uh, that movie, uh, I enjoyed the, I think mostly the first half of it because I'm a D'Onofrio fan and he was, uh, and he was Mm -hmm. really good in, in the role that he played. After this, after the scene where D'Onofrio dies, I kind of lose interest. <laughs> yeah, M-
3: so. most people are are engaged for the stuff at boot, and then once you get beyond that point, the interest level falls off for a lot of people. And I don't, I personally have never been the biggest fan of Matthew Modine, so it's yeah. hard to really invest in the movie in the first place. And with D'Onofrio gone it's even less a reason to watch. Yeah. I'm one of those guys who I probably like you, I appreciate Kubrick's work mm. even if I don't necessarily like it.
0: There's a I read a book last year about the making of 2001 and not just the 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 specifics of the tech of the making of the movie which is most of the making of books I've read in my life, but this was all this was more about Clark and and Kubrick and their relationship and how Kubrick had the movie made as opposed to, and there's plenty there's plenty of like how how did they do this in the movie but Kubrick was an absolute asshole he's <laughs> just a major yeah. dick and he treated everybody like crap and he totally hosed Arthur C Clarke on that movie
2: oh yeah he he tortured Shelley Duvall on the in the um the the shining horribly and uh and the shining. I mean, even Stephen King doesn't like The Shining. So. <laughs> Stephen King's has kind things to say about just about everything that's based on his works, but he does not like the shining. the shining. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: I can't imagine he has good things to say about Lawnmower Man. Let's be real.
0: <laughs> now I'll Stephen King is on my on list.
2: He's on your list. Okay, oh, yeah, because yeah, he's not an actor. There he was. Or a creep there. show. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. John says that uh, some of these have have done enough acting that most millennials think of them as acting actors now. But Will Smith, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Queen Latifah, and Ice Cube—that is true.
0: I, I I have Queen Latifah on my list because she was amazing in Chicago. Did Will Smith start as an actor or as a rapper? I thought he would start as an actor and then nope. use that no, to no, get no. into rap. No, he no, started rapper. as a,
2: as a rapper. He was it was oh okay. It was DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And, uh, and I thought then, that was just a character. No, he, yeah, the, no, the the characters came from the, the yeah
3: they, oh. they 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 carried the the rap name of Fresh Prince. They carried that over to the TV show, and uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff played. Uh, was, was it Jazz? Jazz? Yeah. Yeah. So they just they just ported the names over, but yeah, they'd been doing they'd be doing their you know eighties oh. nineties style rap hip hop well before the the acting started and speaking of I queen latifah go. does everyone know that queen latifah has a new tv series coming
2: yes the equalizer i was not expecting that yeah i wasn't but either Is
3: that a reboot
2: yeah yeah but yeah they're
3: okay they've, they've already rebooted
2: was, it they rebooted it with denzel washington he made two films mm-hmm. and now they're rebooting it again as it's as a tv series again
3: the the only time that denzel washington has
2: ever done a sequel yeah it's for equalizer
3: that's
0: true, that's true. Uh, and as for ice cube i loved and this is a terrible movie but i loved deep Blue Sea, and he was awesome <laughs> <at it. laughs>
2: my ice cube pick is always friday <laughs> the first friday film i love that movie uh
0: you killed my parrot <laughs>
2: here is a fun fact about the fresh prince that went since we're mentioning uh dj jazzy jeff Whenever he was on the show, whenever, whenever Jazz would, would come on the show, you always knew if it was going to be one of the episodes where Uncle Phil threw him out the front door by what shirt he was wearing because mm-hmm. they only filmed <laughs> that one time. And so whenever they, whenever he was going to be thrown out, he had to be wearing the shirt that he was wearing in the shot where he got thrown out the door. So if he was wearing that shirt, you knew Uncle Phil was going to throw him out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I never, I never saw the show. You've never
2: seen the Fresh Prince. Uh, this is this. The title of this episode is "Rick has never seen TV." <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. When when, you
0: know, when uh, did when wait, did the Fresh Rick's Prince dollar seen- come
2: out? When when did the show come out? The Fresh Prince came I started in yeah. like '93, I think '92,
0: '93, okay. something like that. I was in the Air Force at the time.
2: I understand, and I was working. I was working three to eleven. But it's not like it's. It's not like it hasn't been on since then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, the, the, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> he, what? 1990. 90. Okay. Okay. 90. Yeah, so I, was I was in, in basic school. training when the show started. Um, here, here's the thing about being a cord cutter. And, and I know that, my, I know that my wife suffers this a lot more than I do. My wife was a big channel surfer. I've never been a huge channel surfer. Um, when we realized, Actually, let me rewind that. When I realized that all of the TV shows we watched with any regularity were available online and we could save almost $200 a month by not subscribing to cable. We, we were, you know, we were one of the first cord cutters, you know, we were in that first group. And while it's great from a monetary standpoint, a lot of the shows that I watched because my wife was watching them, And I was in the room while she was watching them. Uh, Shows like Supernatural and Once Upon a Time and various procedurals and stuff that she wasn't particularly, you know, I want to watch this now, but she would just channel surf and then stop on this show. Uh, You know, so I would kind of get these shows by osmosis. For the past nine years, if I want to watch a show, I have to know I want to watch it and I have to go find it. And given that I don't like sitcoms, <laughs> <laughs> on the whole <laughs> uh and i'm generally not not drawn to things that aren't science fiction or genre stuff uh pe- y- y'all keep getting shocked when i haven't watched stuff but you know <laughs> a lot of this stuff is e- it either was I, I would have had to to record it to watch it uh cuz i've worked in show business my entire life so when show when prime time is on, I'm usually sitting in a light booth, or sitting on a spotlight, or sitting backstage waiting for the next scene change.
3: Um, We've been there. <laughs>
0: Actually, I yeah. think Sean's the only one that hasn't been there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a lot of stuff that I might have casually watched if I had been working like you know you know a nine to five or you know a normal uh, you know a normal job, but I've never I've never worked a normal job uh, for more than a few months and then got bored or fired. <laughs> so, um, I, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying that y'all keep getting shocked when I haven't seen this stuff, but a lot of this stuff is something, are things that I would have to go out of my way to find and it wouldn't even occur to me to do that.
3: At this point, I don't think that John is shocked by any of it. I think he's just <laughs> going to forever hold a grudge against you for not liking Prince so anything good that you haven't seen <laughs> you don't get to see anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna do one. This movie is amazing. Rick, have you seen this amazing movie? No, you haven't. You don't get to.
2: (laughs) I'm gonna do one more. Uh, So in 2003, this movie, The Rundown, came out and it starred uh, Dwayne Johnson and Sean William Scott. And I love this movie. It's, uh, it has just the right amount of action mixed with uh, some ridiculous comedy. It, it wasn't The Rock's first movie. The Rock's first movie, I guess, was uh, one of the Mummy Scorpion. movies. Yeah, well, the Mummy Returns. He, he was in the Mummy Returns first, and then yeah. they, the Scorpion King was spun off of that. Right. And but this was, was before
1: the or after his Voyager guest spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was I think on I think I think his Voyager
3: guest spot was after uh, the Mummy Returns, maybe after the Scorpion King.
2: But um, in the. Um, the rundown is like the first movie that solidified him and solidified his career as being like an action star. There's even a film, uh, I mean, a, a scene in this film where the characters are going into a nightclub and as they're walking through the nightclub, they pass Arnold Schwarzenegger walking out. And this movie came out the same year that Arnold was um elected governor of California. <coughs> and as Arnold walks by, he looks at the rock and he says, have fun. <laughs> and so it's kind of like I'm passing the torch, you know, you're, you're the action guy and you're the big muscle <laughs> muscle head action guy now. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, and I think that the, the rock, he's not only one of my favorite actors now, you know, he was, I mean, he was a wrestler. I never, I've never watched him in a wrestling match cause he wasn't wrestling at the time that I was watching wrestling. But, um, He's one of my favorite actors. He's also one of my favorite people <laughs> because he's, 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 he's really good. He does a lot of charity work. He does a lot of stuff for kids and he's just an all around good guy. And I watch just about every movie that he comes out with, even Sky, Skyscraper and Baywatch. <laughs> um, he's got a he's actually got a sitcom coming out next month called Young Rock. And, I, I mean, you can guess what it's about. It's about The Rock when he was a kid. <laughs> and he's, like, narrating it, like, The Wonder Years or something like that. So, Are they going to do a crossover between that and Young Sheldon? No, I, I hope not. <laughs> young Rock beats up Young Sheldon.
1: <laughs> did, did,
0: did you see – oh, I, I know. Okay, I can't remember how this worked now. Did you see Get Smart? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the movie yeah. With, with, uh, with Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Was The Rock in the movie, or was he in the short that they did? That was kind of an extra on the DVD.
3: I don't know if he was in the short because I didn't watch the short, but he was definitely in the movie. He was
0: a okay. Big he part he of it. was okay. So he was in both. Um I just that that sold me, uh, you know, because at the time, you know, before before that, it was just like, oh, here's another wrestler, big deal. Oh yeah, he was uh, like twenty three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, the fact that he and, and Jumanji, you know, if, if get smart, uh, set the hook, Jumanji, I swallowed the hook. I, I love The Rock. Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson is an amazing guy. And yeah, and, and what, you know, everything I've heard about him off screen is that he's, he's just a really nice dude. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I cannot, it, it's really weird for me to, to sing the praises of a wrestler. But I think he's amazing, <laughs> and, and I love watching. Even Tsunkatse was not the worst Voyager episode ever.
2: <laughs> no, but it is one of the ones that I skip when I rewatch. <laughs> it,
0: that's fair enough. It's certainly not one of the best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Does
0: anybody else have any any others they want to throw in before I wrap things up? I'm going to read off my list of honorable mentions really quickly. Shirley Manson in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I mentioned last time. Uh, Olivia Newton-John, Grease, and Xanadu. Xanadu is a terrible movie, but she was wonderful in it. Uh, Queen Latifah uh, was mentioned. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons If you, it was great as the bad guy in both Runaway and Wanted Dead or Alive.
2: Yes, I love Wanted Dead or Alive. I love that movie.
0: Wanted Dead or Alive is a, is a, 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 a Rutger Hauer bounty hunter movie. Uh, but the last scene with him and Gene Simmons is worth the price of admission. And I won't spoil it, but it involves a hand grenade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't check it out, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Stephen King, I mentioned, uh, um, Alex Karras as Mongo. Alex Karras was a football player. He played Mongo in blazing saddles. Beautifully. Mongo only pawn in game of life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in airplane, and the one I I, I want to I just really needs a salute. Doctor Mae Jemison, who was an astronaut who was a, a flew on the shuttle, also played the transporter technician in the Star Trek: The Next Generation episode Second Chances, which is where we got Thomas Riker.
3: <laughs> oh, that
1: up.
0: Okay.
3: I had forgotten which episode it was, yeah, but I, I remember that, that she was on there.
1: Uh, Stephen Hawking in his next-gen guest appearance. No,
3: that's yeah. right. <laughs> Wrong again, Albert. <laughs> um, uh, I, I had one when I was uh, going through a, a list of suggestions that I found online. Um, again, one of those, another one of those examples of someone who is now an actor, but that's not how they started. Uh, so back in the early days of his uh, Hollywood career, would be Danny
2: Trejo. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. I love Danny Trejo. Now, th- does anyone know how he, how he got started? He was no. in.
2: He was. He was. I mean, he was in jail, and he he not he get brought in as a as a uh, consultant in a, for a prison movie or something.
3: Uh, yeah, the something the like movie that. was uh, Runaway Train. Yeah, and
2: uh, let, let's see.
3: Um, he he showed up on set not. Not to play any sort of a role in the movie, but he showed up on set as a youth counselor because one of the cast members in the movie, um, I think, was having some substance abuse problems, and he was brought on to help with that. And when the director, when, when the casting director saw his look, he was like, "Hey, you want to be an extra in this movie?" And then the more he was around, the more they said, "You know what? Let's bump this up. Let's not just make him an extra. Let's make him like essentially a featured extra." And then it just blew up from there. Uh, ever since he got out of prison, he's always done everything he can to try to help people not end up there or not go back there. Um, And uh, and any, because of how much he enjoys, uh, you know, working in Hollywood and being a performer, that's why you see him in so many low budget things. Because if anyone comes to him and says, you know, Hey, we're doing a student film for our, uh, for our thesis, for our uh, uh, films, film school class. uh, Can you help us out? He'll, he'll do it. Yeah. If he can work into the schedule, he'll be there. He'll do your movie. if, uh, if he's got the time, just
0: ask. him. Machete, don't text.
2: Machete is great. I haven't seen Machete Kills, but I have seen the first no,
0: one. I haven't seen it either. I haven't
2: seen the sequel. He claims that they're going to make Machete in space. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen <laughs> or
0: not. <laughs> he, he was one of the few watchable things in, the, in Predators. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah he was he was he he had a pretty good uh role on breaking bad too uh yeah where i mean spoiler for breaking bad he's a drug drug lord that ends up uh getting his head cut off and uh and put on the back of a tortoise <laughs> and you just see the tortoise walking he's <laughs> got Danny trejo's head on the on the back of it <laughs> well it's it's poetic because his name was the turtle yeah the turtle yeah el tortuga
1: tom um, I want to point out Alex Karras. I mean, yeah, Mongo, but I always wasn't he the one on uh Webster? Was dad. he the dad on Webster, or am I mixing? I him up with
3: that up. No, no, Webster, no, no, that, that couldn't have been him. That was someone else. I'm gonna look it up right now. I,
0: I, I, I get where you're coming from. They're, they you certainly are. look similar. No, he was. Oh, wow, yeah, shoot, oh, okay, that's right. Yep, all
1: right, so um. Did anyone mention OJ with the Naked Gun films? No, no. Earlier, no. <laughs> the one I, I'm not sure about. I'm I, trying to look up and didn't find it. Fred Thompson. Oh yeah, the former senator Fred Thompson from um, Die Hard Two. Oh yeah, went for Red October. Yep. Was he was he politician first, then actor? Was it the other way around? I think it was kind of at the same
0: time, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I think they kind of were like, I, well, he might have been a politician first.
3: I, 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 I want right. to say he like like zigzagged between both. I, I don't yeah. know which one actually came first, but it's not like he did, you know, discreetly did one and then the other and then went back to politics again. I think it was kind of you know,
2: if he's he not politics, he, he, he was he's acting. And- he was in office in as a state senator in Tennessee from ninety uh, four to two thousand three. His acting career started.
1: Die Hard Two was in ninety. Um, Hunt for Red October was around the same time.
2: Yeah, so. he started. He started making films in eighty five. So he was acting before he got into politics.
1: Okay, well, it was a good thought, at least. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I think he. I know. think he. His Not bigger good.
2: roles were later on after he was in. After he had started in politics, I know that his role on uh, Law and Order didn't come until after he had started in politics. So, mm. um, speaking of law and order, Ice-T was a, uh, pretty well-known rapper in the, in the, in the nineties. And, uh, now he's been on law and order SVU for a 22 seasons now.
1: Is it so. only that man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, and John and says, sir, Patrick. that occurred Lady. to me.
3: That occurred to me earlier, John, uh, uh, Senator Leahy in, in Batman. I thought of that, but I didn't know if we really wanted to count that because, uh, I think he has like what one line to the Joker facing while he's facing away from camera in the dark night. That's all he has to say. (laughs) What can we say? The guy just loves Batman.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, that's all I've got. So, um, I guess I'll, uh. I'll wrap things up. So, Rick, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, my pleasure. You want to let everybody
0: know where they can find you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Um. Pretty soon, there will be some new content coming from from Starbase sixty six and Open the Iris. Row and I spoke today, and we'll be recording a brand new Open the Iris next week. Um. So, uh, you can look for us here. On the Infinite Potato Alliance. You can also find me on Captain Game Show from time to time and, uh, that Star Trek podcast when, uh, we do more stuff. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm like all over the place now
2: here. All right. Scott,
3: thank you for being here. Oh, well, thanks for letting me come in late, teach, not sending me to the office. <laughs> um,
0: yours pizza.
3: <laughs> it, Whatever's left on the, the you get. <laughs> um, uh, for anyone who's interested, you can find me in various places here on the Infinite Potato Alliance. Uh, for example, right here on that fan... That is, Sean, is it that fan talk podcast or that, that super, super fan, fan talk,
2: fan talk podcast? podcast?
3: That super fan talk podcast. Yeah. You can often find me on that Star Trek podcast. My very own show, The Prime Direction, which doesn't come out often, but every once in a while you get one. Um, pretty soon I'm hoping to schedule uh, what will likely be my final episode of Prime Direction where I interview, uh, once again, Noah Everbot Katz, um, also known as Rin from Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Um, we'll hopefully be able to set that up pretty soon. I can get it recorded, edited, and released before I pull up stakes from uh, this here apartment and move to my new place uh, coming up soon. Uh, Other than that, uh, if anyone is interested in seeing some of the uh, freelance or by commission artwork that I do, you can check out my uh, website at www.planetrisecreative.com or you can find me on Twitter at Planet Rise.
2: You need to do at least one episode of The Prime Direction where you interview yourself.
3: You know, I will just pull episode three of your run,
2: and I'll just cut you out of it and replace. And just it Just ask, ask all the questions. Which, by the way, um, well, Tom, thank you for being here. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, interrupt. Before I, I thank you for being here.
1: No, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me join in.
2: Um, I well, tried to. I've tried for years to find something that I can. Recommend to Rick that he'll enjoy. <laughs> Turns out it was super easy,
0: barely an inconvenience. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need you to get all the way off my back about this one.
2: <laughs> wow! 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 Wow!
1: Whoopsie! Wow.
2: <laughs> so, so if you haven't watched the, the the pitch meetings that Screen Rant does, uh, uh, Scott and I have talked about it on the show a couple of times. Rick finally went and
0: watched them, and, and then did you oh, did Jesus. you watch all I of them? I can't stop watching <laughs> this goddamn show. I watch, you know, you know how they've got like they've got some like super cuts of of like all uh, uh, like last night I watched all the Matrix ones, and then I watched all the Star Wars ones.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: Star Wars one is like an
0: hour long. It I no kidding.
3: Yeah. It it's it's a, the same thing with the MCU. He's done every MCU movie and I've seen that you know cut together into one. Some of these supercuts are so big that they the people putting them together don't realize that they've put the same pitch meeting in more than once.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> did you see the pitch meeting on pitch meetings?
2: Yes I did. <laughs> did you watch the one for Star Trek O nine?
0: Mm. Uh, I don't know ooh, if he's done start. Star Trek in the darkness no, not yet. but I, I know he did Star he, Trek he's, on
3: that yeah he, he's done uh, all three of the Kelvin okay. movies
0: yeah, yeah I, I haven't watched it. any of those yet
3: Beyond was done uh, like very recently uh, he put out Star Trek Beyond um, and I've never seen a single one of the Twilight movies but he's done all of them and A, now I don't feel like I need to worry about watching the movies because the pitch meeting is good enough For those, you don't have to watch the actual movie, but his pitch meeting on Breaking Dawn, which is the, the final installment of the, the Twilight Saga in movies. That is perhaps the funniest pitch meeting that I've seen him do. I, I was rolling when we got towards the end of it, uh, based solely on, um, movie producer guys reactions to the things that were being pitched. It was, it was perfect. So I, I recommend seeking out a, a Twilight Supercut. And Sean, we should, we should be fair and we should give due credit. Um, Screen Rant just, just distributes these videos. They don't make <laughs> these videos. Yeah. Right. Ryan, Ryan George writes the videos. He performs them. He edits them. He makes them. He just gives them to Screen Rant and they put it out. Yeah. And it easily the best content coming out of Screen Rant these days is his stuff. Um, now, Rick, have you did you watch any of uh, any videos by Ryan George that were not pitch meetings?
0: Not that I'm aware of. That doesn't mean I haven't. I just yeah, he's know.
2: got a lot of videos on his channel that's like first guy to ever go camping, first guy to ever throw a punch, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like a comedy series that he does. And they're they're different. I, they're I pretty used good to well.
0: subscribe to screen Rant, and then they just finally pissed me off with their bogus. Well, know, those
2: are not Screen rant.
0: Those are those are his.
2: That's his
3: channel. Yeah. Yeah, the the on-screen rant that's where you get the pitch meetings, but Ryan George has his own YouTube channel. If you go to that, then you'll get his non-pitch meeting videos uh, that are also very very funny. I recommend them highly.
0: Okay.
2: All right. Well, that's going to pretty much do it for us this week. Uh go to InfinitePotato.com to find all of our other shows. We've got a lot of new shows coming to the network since we uh since we merged with um, the Infinite Diversity Network, and we've also got uh, uh, Jared Stern's new podcast. Jared Stern, if you listen to Captain Game Show, he's on that show a lot. He's got a new <laughs> podcast called Between Two Sterns. And it's uh, it's Jared Stern and another guy named Jared Stern. And they uh, do a podcast together. They're both comedians and it's very funny. So, it's on the network. Uh, you can you can listen to it there or you can find it on any of your uh, podcatchers. So...
0: And Jared, if you're listening, I'm kidding. I I love the first episode. I'm very much looking forward to listening to the second one.
2: (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care.